it depends on what your goals are really i mean if 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 you um have a career and you have a full-time job and you know you make decent money um but you know let's say you're a doctor you just you're not gonna have time to operate real estate you're not um so partnering up with the operator that's been doing this a while um you know to invest with them obviously you need to invest the operator or invent the operator All right. Welcome to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today we have Anthony. Anthony, you're going to have to tell me your last name here. <laughs> Why don't you try? It, it's, At least uh, try. It's Scan, is it Scandier. <laughs> oh, Scandier. come on. <laughs> it's, Close a, it's a good one, Close man. Enough. Yeah. Uh, in, Scandari uh, Scandariato. You're not the only one, so don't feel oh, bad. Oh, man. That's. It's good though. Uh, Anthony's the owner of uh, Red Knight Properties. He manages $150 million of, um, of assets under management of over a thousand units in six states with a record of uh, all over a dozen, uh, a dozen properties, 12 properties, full cycle deals. Red Knight ensures steady cash flow and equity growth. Anthony, truly appreciate you coming with us today. If you could let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me, Josh. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, yeah, so as Josh said, I'm one of the co-founders of Red Knight Properties. We're a, a boutique, middle market, mixed-use, and multifamily uh, investment company, as well as property management. And I think we're going to talk about that on this show for the most part. Um, but essentially vertically integrated, uh, we are acquiring typically five to twenty million dollars in deal size, um, and you know, typically we're acquiring from you know long-term owners or you know, if there's an opportunity to buy a distressed asset. Um, as Josh mentioned, we're in six different states right now. I'm based out to, outside of New Jersey. Uh, for context, I'm about, you know, 40 minutes west of Midtown Manhattan. Uh, so we have assets up and down the East Coast. Uh, so here in Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, um, <clears throat> New York State, Florida, um, Alabama, and Ohio. So Ohio is the only one that's kind of Midwest. Um, and yeah, we have give or take a thousand units in our portfolio. Uh, I've been in the business since uh, 2015. Um, and before I started my firm, I used to work for another uh, real estate operator, a very similar model. Um, they were acquiring and uh, repositioning value add class A multi-tenant office buildings up and down the East okay. Coast in very similar markets that we're acquiring now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. a little bit about us. And as you mentioned, we've gone... A full cycle on maybe even more than a dozen deals um, over since I started Red Knight kind of part time in 2016. We're um, recording this at the end of 2023. So I've uh, been, been doing this uh, a little bit, quite a while. And um, yeah, we're you know excited for 2024. Obviously, a lot of challenges in the market right now, but um, if you can withstand them, you know, you're going to be in a position to uh, come out of the stronger. I think that right now is when, uh, what, what we've all been waiting for in a sense too. There's um, there's always going to be the dim and gloom on the horizon, but it's just being able to um, to, to shift and pivot and and make uh, make opportunities happen. And I'm glad you um, you went back to how you got started with where you're at right now. So you were with another operator, but a different asset class. Um, was that that was offices, correct? Correct. That was a Class A suburban uh, infill and some CBD office um, in the Sun Belt states for the most part, and also, um, you know, in, on the East Coast where I am, Northeast. 
Yeah, and having a firsthand experience on the operations of property management, I think that's what truly makes a real estate firm successful. Uh, being able to uh, to have the boots on the ground and know know what the do's and don'ts on a on a first person management level. I think um, you can compress exp- expenses. You can um, add little values that uh, that can add new line items of income to the properties. And um, there's things that that happen on the properties that that take away from income, but you know what can be taken away without hurting the property. Um, As far as uh, the areas that you all invest, can you go into uh, what you look at for markets and what determines a good area versus a bad? Yeah. I mean, it kind of what everyone's looking at, right. We're looking at population growth. We're looking at net migration. We're looking at what's the employment base like. Is it diverse? Is it, you know, multiple employees over multiple industries? Uh, How big is that employment pool? Where can you pull tenants from? Um, you know, uh, we're looking for stability plus growth. Uh, so that's why, you know, we've been in Florida and and um, some of the Sunbelt areas uh, where we're still uh, focused on. Um, you know, you got to be careful because there's a lot of new supply as well coming on, which yeah. um, can have an effect on uh, the asset class that, that we're focused on, which is more workforce housing, kind of class C, C plus, B minus assets um, yeah. that we're trying to, you know, turn into another class level. So taking a C property to a B property in a B or A area. Um, so, you know, that really the, where are the jobs? Um, what's the household income, you know, can it support, you know, the rent projections that we're targeting, you know, what's the market rent? There's a lot of different things we're looking at, but, you know, we buying below replacement costs, you know, what's the going in yield. There's a lot of, you know, different metrics that we look at. Um, but for me to, the markets that we're in, I got exposed to from the other operator I used to work for. Um, we did a few deals in the markets where we're at um, and got very familiar with it, got, you know, was had the ability to network in those areas. So I felt very comfortable, um, you know, going into those markets with my, you know, our company, Red Knight, under our umbrella. Yeah. And you already had relationships with brokers, I'm sure, and, um, and even owners that might not have been ready to sell before, but... Um, yep when you came around um on the um on the florida states are you all getting i know everyone's getting affected by the insurance but how are you all hedging the insurance cost if you can yeah um we have i had a couple of renewals just come up uh so just to put it into context uh we uh, had a property in clearwater florida that we sold in 2022 Uh, we had a property in orlando that we sold about a month and a half ago um, we still have assets in Ocala, uh, which is more central Florida. You're about 75 miles, you know, between the east and the west direction from the coast. Um, so, yeah, we're getting increased insurance, um, but it's not as bad as the rest of the state. Um, not even close. Um, if what we've been doing is obviously, you know, as as a landlord of right now, um, we are not bearing the full cost of the increase. We are uh, still getting rent increases, uh, pretty substantial rent increases that we've been um, passing along to the tenants. Um, and we'll probably end up ahead uh, based on some of the renewals that we got. Um, so, yeah, we um, it's not as bad as the rest of the state. Uh, personally, um, we own, before even the insurance crisis started to happen, I didn't feel super comfortable um, investing very close to the coast. Even the asset in Clearwater we had was inland. 
uh, before the bridge that takes you to the beach. Um, and same thing with Orlando, very, you know, inland, very insulated. Um, so it's, I haven't really changed the investment strategy in terms of the uh, climate risk. Um, so, you know, I just feel bad for some owners in, you know, obviously Miami, West Palm Beach, yeah. Fort Lauderdale, they're just getting absolutely destroyed. And uh, hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, there are other insurers starting to come in. Um, you know, we haven't in Alabama. We're in Alabama as well. We're in central Alabama. Uh, so that ha hasn't really been hit. Um, Ohio hasn't really been hit. Up here in the northeast where I am hasn't really been hit. Uh, but yeah, Florida is, is pretty substantial, but we are getting ahead of it. We got way ahead of it in terms of our renewals even coming up because we knew this was going to happen. So we started increasing rents even more just to kind of cover that. Um, it's huge. Yeah, yeah hope, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, hurricane season in Florida is basically the end of November, and it's been pretty good right now in terms yeah. of um, you know uh, claims being submitted or not submitted. So hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we have another month of, you know, not a lot of client claims being submitted and uh, things will start to open up again. But I can't, this is not sustainable long term. So I, was, I was asking if there was a um, strategy. We're looking at a larger property in uh, the New Orleans area and the insurance cost is, is making the deal not make any sense. If we can, if we can get that cost down, then it could be a, a home run. But that's the tough part is... Um, is the insurance cost in a lot of different areas, including Texas too, right now. Um, and different operators have different strategies that can be implemented. Just, um, you know, what are they and how can you implement them? What are some property management um, tactics that you all use? Because property management is essentially asset management. You've got different layers, but being a first person um, role, it's, it's um, you've got your finger on the pulse. What are some, some, some things that you use to gauge the, uh, the property's performance on a uh, monthly basis. Yeah. I mean, we're looking on a monthly basis. How's our occupancy? How's our collections? Um, where are we at relative to our business plan in terms of um, what was the previous rental rates and our market rates and how did they fare to our initial projections? How's our cash flow looking? Um, there's a lot of different, you know, how many evictions do we have? Um, so we, pull a monthly report, um, you know, we have assets, uh, we have syndications. So we have groups of investors partnering with us on deals, um, usually individual uh, investors. Um, so we do provide, you know, high level reports every single, at the end of every single month uh, to our group. Um, we have assets internally. So, um, you know, it's it, essentially the same. We do it for our internal assets and then our, our assets with our uh, investors. But, um, you know, we're looking at retention rates as well. Uh, we're looking at how much, you know, CapEx did we have to spend on this light turnover versus a full turnover. Um, you know, there's lots of different things that we're looking at every at the end of every single month. I mean, you know, it, it, it really depends. Most importantly, we're looking at our net cash position. How much cash do we generate in the bank at the end of the month? Um, you know, uh, what's basically our, our net income after paying the mortgage and all the capex and uh, taxes, insurance, every pretty much everything. Yeah, it's it's very alluring to have third-party property management on site. What's um what are some reasons why you all like to manage your own properties? I guess did you all start out managing your own properties, or did you pivot? Yeah, so we started out uh, buying assets between me and my partner in New Jersey, um, very close to where we both live, 
Uh, so we bought about 70 units together. This is between, I think it was 2018, 2019, give or take, or even 2017. Um, so we bought assets together. We, we got to, I was still working full time. So he kind of managed that while I was working. Um, but still was able to, to help. Um, so we got to learn a lot ourselves. We would go to the properties ourselves. We would try to, we would execute on our business plan ourselves. So we got to learn a lot. So it made hiring people underneath us once we got to a certain unit count, which was around 225, uh, to start hiring a maintenance technician and, you know, kind of someone who oversees property management, um, you know, leasing agents in each location. Um, so we kind of started out that way. Um, and I, you know, we have accounting in house as well. Um, it's at least for bookkeeping. So we, we've looked at third party management. Uh, we, in my opinion, probably haven't, would not have successful exits and successful deals or successful operations if we third party manage, cause they're just not going to do it the same way we want it. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we started out on our end with third party property management and, and we were forced to pivot just because of that, not being able to execute on a business plan like we would communication breakdown, um, just a nonsense you deal with. I mean, we're dealing with enough nonsense on a daily basis, just adding to the complexity. Um, what are some learning lessons that you've had along the way? A thousand units as um, you've had some, some opportunities, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, we've, we would have had more, but we sold a lot uh, past couple of years. Um, we're probably around 800 right now. I just rounded up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lessons learned, um, mostly from the management side, I would say. Um, we're fortunate on the debt side to have kind of locked in some longer term notes. Um, so, you know, I kind of learned that from just being in the industry yeah. not to do short. We have we had some short term um, stuff that we got out of, which was very fortunate, but and did well. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, it's the hiring and the firing of, you know, getting having the right people in place from the start is key and it might not always be perfect from the start. We've had to switch um, personnel at different locations, you know, multiple times, uh, but for the most part, our retention is pretty good. Um, lessons learned. If you can kind of keep your good employees, especially on the maintenance side, um, motivated and even leasing too, if you can keep them as you grow your portfolio in different locations and kind of leverage them, um, which is what we actually are doing now. I'll just give you an example. We have property in Orlando that we sold that I mentioned to you um, not too long ago. And then the maintenance guy there, it was 80 unit property. He turned every unit himself. We didn't hire anybody. Oh, wow. Um, nice. He, yeah, he's awesome. So we brought him up to our property in Ohio because we actually lost the maintenance guy. We lost the leasing person. So um, and it kind of all happened at the same time. So fortunately, we were able to uh, convince him to relocate to Ohio, and uh, he's there now. And he's been there since October first, and things things turned around. Yeah, like like that. It insane. Um, so we have a really good month uh, this month as we're recording the end of October twenty three. Uh, but yeah, if you could keep your good personnel and motivate them and encourage them, you know, if you are selling a property or you refinancing or even from your cash flow, make sure if they're doing a good job, make sure you bonus them, just keep them motivated. You know, if they're signing leases, definitely pay them each lease you sign. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but um, just keep, keep your people motivated and try to, you know, 
because that's going to make or break you. I mean, 2024 moving forward, in my opinion, is probably going to be the year of the operator yeah. um, as opposed to a lot of financial engineering that was happening over the past couple of years. Um, so if you have property management under control, um, you know, you should, you should come out of, you know, what I think we're going into or already in a recession stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely more pullback for sure. The, um, in maintenance staff in general, that's your support team. That's your, your company leans on, on people in general. So having that alignment of interest where everyone benefits, if the property benefits, I think it's huge. Um, you know, it pays bills that you take your, you come show up, take care of your family and, uh, and to do well. So for sure. Um, and having those key people, the, uh, the rocks and the, uh, organization, I mean, you can grow substantially around the right people. Those are the, uh, the pillars. Um, what are, what are some things that you all do to add value to the, uh, the properties? Yeah. Um, like I said, we're usually buying from long-term owners, um, who haven't really kept up with market rents, inflation. So quite honestly, the property is in pretty good shape to begin with. Um, it's really operation wise, um, obviously getting the rents relative to market, but we have some heavy CapEx projects as well that we've done. You know, it's mostly exterior work, you know, whether it's painting, adding amenity centers for, you know, outdoor furniture, dog parks, um, playgrounds, um, you know, hardscaping, landscaping, uh, interiors. It's mostly, you know, kitchen, you know, paint, new paint. Um, you can get away with painting cabinets. You paint the cabinets. Um, backsplashes, flooring, if there's carpet, you know, if we put LPV. Um, so it's kind of like the classic value add. I mean, yeah. we've done some heavier stuff on the exterior. The ex- We always start with the exterior because uh, that's going to... You hit it, yeah. You know, you don't want to pull up, if you're buying 1978 asset, you don't want to drive up to 1978 and then walk into 2023. Oh. Yeah, and we've had, we bought from owners who have kind of done the opposite yeah. over yeah, time, exactly. which I don't, I don't really understand. And they are like, Oh, why are, why, why am I struggling with occupancy? I'm like, well, the first impression, somebody pulls yeah. up and they just don't want to live here. So, right. um, you hit it spot on. Yeah. So, um, we always start with that and right away, and then we'll start, you know, working the interiors, of course. Um, you know, there's obviously other ancillary incomes, you know, we have some utility income, as long as the market supports it, utility income fees, you can charge, you know, with there's uh, some sub meter, sub metering we can do, uh, whether that's electric, gas, or water. We try to do that too to try to you know drive up that NOI as much as we can for us. Um, a lot of different things we could do. Um, try to you know capture spreads on renters insurance if we require require the tenants to get those. Um, you know, add vending machines. There's there's many different things. Have you um have you all heard of a, a company called Rhino? I know there's a there's a couple other yep. ones that are competing, but we um mm-hmm. we're utilizing them at this point. I think they, they actually create a bond on the deposit. Um, yep, we we use them. Uh, we've used them actually since they started. Yeah. Um, they're good. We have we there's another one called Leap that we started yeah. to transition to. Um, but they're all they're all good, and that seems to be the standard. And quite honestly, kind of gives you as the owner more security, and you know you're not. Your bookkeeper is not reconciling security deposits when they move out. Yeah. Um, it's a lot cleaner, yeah. um, and they do pay. Uh, yeah, and you can you can get rental insurance as well, and and um, even uh, you can multiple X the uh, deposit to make sure everything's covered. So we're we're happy so far. Just those little and it's attractive. Yeah, yeah, it's attractive for the tenant because well, okay, well, I don't need to come up with 
you know, a month and a half of security plus the first month's right, rent. Yeah. And in some cases paying the broker fee, it's a lot of money yeah. for some people. So, you know, we always market it as hey, if you're qualified, there's no security deposit. Um, you know, it comes with the monthly charge, typically 1825 or 3425, yeah. depending upon their credit score. Um, and that covers you for at least with leap, uh, I think it's nine months, give or take nine months to a year. Um, depends on what, what exactly, uh, you know, your program, your, you have set up with uh, Leap. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, we use that all the time. And it doesn't really, uh, re, you know, uh, in terms of the class of the tenants we have, uh, we haven't really seen like a downturn just to use it and marketing it as deposit free. It seems to sort of be becoming more normal uh, to use these soft, you know, these systems. Yeah. Well, moving is expensive in general. I mean, you've got the upfront fees to moving and then you got moving expenses and uh, cleanup of, of the uh, previous property. So if we can soften the burden, make it more enticing and incentivize them. I mean, it, it helps everyone out. Still gets everyone to the same place. Um, are you all utilizing any government subsidy programs as well? Um. So we have some rental assistance for some of our tenants that will accept um, in terms of Section 8. They're probably 10% of our rent roll is Section 8 tenants. So it's not a huge amount, yeah. maybe actually less than that, maybe five. Um, so it's all free market rate uh, properties. We don't have any LIHTC properties. Okay. Um, it's all, you know, uh, we've taken over LIHTC properties that just came out of their LIHTC period. So um, all free market. Type of Can stuff. you uh, elaborate a little bit off of um, off that? They've got their 15-year federally mandated period and then a 15 year uh, period to where mm -hmm. it's off the contract. How did you all take it out? Take it off LIHTC? We didn't take it out. It was coming it was out coming out, um, and then we bought it right, right away. Okay. Got it. So it was off yep. the 15 or the 30 year. Um, it was a 30 year. Okay. Cause we've, uh, we've started there. There's so much nuances and information you have to, I mean, you've got to have be headstrong and make sure you're not uh, entering into those government contracts and get yourself in a spot on LIHTC for sure. Yep. Oh, absolutely. We have our, had our, before we even bought it, we had our attorneys, we had our title company kind of make sure that we were in good shape before we, you know, close on the deal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the areas that you all are investing in, are you currently purchasing? And then what are you, what are you all seeing out there in the debt markets as far as being able to purchase? Yeah, um, we're under contract for something in central Florida. Um, should be closing on shortly, hopefully. And uh, we don't really have any plans after that. We kind of want to see going into 2024 uh, what, what's going on uh, with the debt market and with, you know, the opportunities. Um, so yeah, we, we, it's kind of exciting to see what, what's happening. I am getting calls as we're, you know, on this podcast, I got a call from a broker. I think he's going to tell me about something distressed. Um, so yeah, some people kind of, you know, got a little bit over leverage, thought interest rates would never go down, um, bought properties at three and a half caps and are barely getting them to a yield to cost of a four cap yeah. and their debts coming due. That's, that's a problem. Um, that's a big problem. Um, and I'm seeing more of that. And some of these operators are going to take it on the chin. Um, so, you know, it's just how much of losses are the banks, you know, willing to take and same thing with the equity. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, with multifamily, it's not going to be as catastrophic as office and some other asset classes, that's for sure. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to us. Um, you know, but we really, again, I really like buying from long-term owners that just, yeah. that, you know, we haven't really changed our strategy. Um, maybe we've changed, you know, 
in my opinion, we're going to be higher for longer. I mean, that could change. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, so in terms of holding periods, maybe you got to hold them a little bit longer than what we've been used to. And you have to, you know, explain that to your partnership group. Um, and I'm, you know, most, I mean, pretty much everybody's accredited uh, in, in my group and understand what's going on in the economy. So um, make sure you communicate that if you're raising capital. Um, then it might take a little bit longer than what maybe they've been used to, you know, over the past couple of years. Um, and that's okay. So um, real estate's not like quick. You can really do some quick get in, get out deals, but it's really, it's really more long term. Yeah, those are the anomalies for sure. What, um, so you all, if you do syndicate a deal, it's a, it's a deal by deal. It's not a on a fund basis. That way the investors Correct. know what they're getting into. Got it. Cool. Yeah. As of now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And what's, what is your typical um, horizon? Is it five years, three years? Yeah. Usually five, three to five. And if it's, if it's shorter then great. And if we, we decide to sell or, or refinance and it makes sense. Um, but we, you know, go into the expectation that it's three to five and obviously um, try to, along the way, as long as it makes sense, you know, if, if we are going to refi it, hopefully get most of your money out, you know, maybe half of it or a third of it and hold it for a little bit and then prop and then eventually sell, but we don't want to tie up uh, capital for more than five years. Um, but you know, the debt we take on, you know, usually five to 10 years. Fixed. Well, and it's still cash flowing and investors can go drive by and check out what they've bought along the way too. It's not, uh, not like the stock yeah, market. They want. So it's, um, yeah, you can see it, feel it, touch it. Very cool. Yep. Uh, for for the uh, ones wanting to get started in real estate, they're not really sure how. Uh, there's a limited partnership type LP, and there's GP. Um, how would you recommend them find find the path that um, that they can go down? Yeah, um, it depends on what your goals are. Really, I mean, if 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 you um, have a career and you have a full time job, and you know you make decent money. Um, but you know, let's say you're a doctor you just, you're not going to have time to operate real estate. You're not. Um, so partnering up with the operator that's been doing this a while, um, you know, to invest with them, obviously you need to invest the operator or invent the operator. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, I would probably recommend that, but someone who's just starting out and wants to be a little bit more hands-on, you know, obviously general partnerships active, which is what we are. We're general partners and limited partners. Um, so you could kind of do both. Um, yeah. But, you know, general partners, definitely a commitment. It depends, you know, if you have a, a general partnership team, um, maybe you have a few people on your general partnership team and they each have certain roles within the business. Um, make sure you define your role. Um, and make sure that it's adding value to the general partnership. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just starting to get out, get, get, um, you're just starting to get involved into real estate and maybe you want to get on the general partnership side eventually. Um, I've had a couple of people who have been limited partners in some of our deals and those deals have been successful. And then after those, they actually started doing a couple of deals on their own, which is great as a general partner, because they saw how we, um, you know, we're able to do what we needed to do. So lots of different ways. Um, you could do a straight up, just regular partnership with a joint venture with somebody, uh, lots of different ways you can get involved. Yeah. Main thing is getting started, getting out there and getting the experience. Very cool. Yeah. If a, um, if a listener wants to get a hold of you and find out more about you and your company, how can they reach out? Yeah. So uh, our company's uh, Red Knight Properties, uh, obviously our website's Red Knight with a K, rednightproperties.com. We are uh, 
we have a free special report that we're giving out right now. Uh, it's, it's how to leave your nine to five and reach financial independence, um, which is which is what I did. Um, so you can actually um, should pop up on our website. You sign up for it. You put your name and email. I'll send it to you, and that'll provide all my contact information. But you know, I have Facebook, Anthony Scandariato, or Red Knight Properties. Same thing with LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, either one is fine. Awesome. Yep. We'll have that when we uh, publish the episode as well. Very good. Definitely appreciate your time, Anthony. I uh, look forward to following you and uh, watching you all just keep growing. Likewise, Josh. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye.